Welcome to EdMed Talks. I'm Dr. Adam DeVico, an educator. And I'm Dr. Jacqueline DeVico, a pediatrician. And we're your husband-wife duo for all things parenting. Welcome to Episode 9, Building Confidence in Your Kid. So many years ago, as a fifth grade teacher, I had a student who was in the special education class and in my class as well. So she was what we call an inclusion student. And as a fifth grader for up to five years now, she had been receiving additional services that had occasionally made her uh, leave classrooms, receive special assignments, modified assignments, get pulled out for testing. And for some students, this can weigh on their confidence. This can sometimes tell them, "Eh, I'm different than everyone else. And so when she got to fifth grade, I wanted to see if I could change this. I wanted to see if I can build a confidence in her uh, to make her feel like she was just as much a part of the class as everyone else. She could do everything else everyone else was doing, maybe sometimes with just a little bit of extra help. And so myself and the special education teacher all year long worked with this girl on, yes, her academics, but mostly on her confidence. And we are so, so proud at the end of the year when we took in North Carolina called the end of grade tests. She scored the highest she could achieve on both the math and reading tests. And we were just so impressed that, yes, she knew the content enough, but she went into that test thinking she can do it. Because sometimes... Confidence is what helps a child achieve. Confidence is what helps a child believe that they can do it. And that's what we are about today. Now, how do kids gain confidence? Now, it's interesting. Every child is different. Some kids are just naturally born more confident than others. You know, I can think of the first time we took our boys to the swim team. Uh, First meeting, they sat there and the coach asked, all right, Everybody raise your hand if you can swim across the length of the pool. Our oldest child, who can confidently swim across the pool, he kept his hand down. Versus our youngest child, who could barely doggy paddle, the moment she asked that question, his hand shot up straight in the air like a rocket with a big smile on his face. And I'm sitting there in the crowd, like shaking my head, like, no, no, you definitely cannot do this. But in his mind, he definitely thought he could. So, I mean, we certainly have a very confident child and a not-so-confident child. Yes. And it's important to give kids praise, encouragement, and give them a sense of self-worth. Yeah, and look, confidence does not necessarily equal to perfection. It doesn't mean that if you are confident, you are absolutely going to get this right. That's not what this is about. That's not what we're trying to say today. What we're trying to say is that confidence can matter, though, in a child's mindset going into something. And could that lead to something, a higher achievement or better performance? Perhaps. But at the end of the day, going into something with confidence is going to make that person feel better. Don't we always do that, though, as adults as well? Yeah. And there's a lot of you have probably heard of imposter syndrome, where you feel like during your job or your career, you're almost an imposter. Even when you sit back and logically look at your steps, you know, sometimes I feel when I'm in the room with a patient, oh my goodness, am I actually qualified to do this? 
I sit back and I think about, yes, I've gone through the medical education, I've done residency, I've done well, I've built up a good patient panel. Yes, I can do this, but sometimes I have to talk myself into it. Well, and let's be honest, Jacqueline and I even faced a little bit of imposter syndrome doing this podcast. I mean, we both have doctorates, we are both pretty accomplished and successful in our careers, and Lord knows we get questions daily, weekly from friends and family, people around in our circles asking us these types of questions for the podcast that we're creating. But to put it into a podcast was even a little bit nerve wracking. So we had to build our own confidence to even do this. And I think it's important to remember, the more you know about a subject, I think you realize the more that you do not know or the more that exists that can't be known. And I think that's where a lot of it stems. Yeah, you can make yourself vulnerable in those situations and then that can kind of impede on your confidence. So I can think of a time when I was younger and our family, group of families kind of went on a vacation together and we were down the beach probably somewhere in Florida at one of the bar restaurants and they had karaoke. And it was early enough in the night that they were, there were kids there and they were letting adults and kids kind of go up and do karaoke. And so a group of us decided we were gonna go up there and do karaoke. Now, I don't know if any of you have actually heard me sing, probably not because I am not very talented at singing, but we all got up there, we did um, Grease, and once we were done, all of us, me and some cousins and other friends' kids, you know, we walked over to parents and relatives and they were getting hugs and praise and they were, parents were telling them, oh my goodness, you did such a great job up there. You were so wonderful. You were amazing. And my family just kind of sat there and looked at me and said, well, we couldn't really hear you. They had the music turned up really loud. Plus, you know you're not a great singer anyway. And I just kind of sat there like brokenhearted that all these other kids were getting so much praise from their family. And I wasn't. And now that I'm adult, I can kind of look at this scenario and I can identify with both sides. And now I can confidently say, I know how this should have gone. An adult doesn't have to tell a child, you are an amazing singer. You sounded beautiful when they weren't, but praise the effort. My family could have said, Jacqueline, you look like you had so much fun up there. Jacqueline, it takes guts to get up there and perform. Great job. Praising the effort was something that should have been done in that situation. Yeah, and we see this across the board in so many situations. Uh, you know, I coach a lot of sports, of course, working with uh, students in the academic realm. I see how parents react to students when they get, you know, a grade that's not perfect, but just a grade that uh, the parent did not think that the student should have gotten. So, you know, we see we see this in different arenas, uh, but certainly for Jacqueline, I guess your singing days were numbered at an early age. Maybe that's not the worst thing in the world. I love you, but we are not the most musically inclined family. No, I remember when I tried out for a solo in chorus class at middle school, uh, the teacher looked at me and said, you look so beautiful when you sing. Hey, that's a great compliment, though. <laughs> it was, but it was a way of her being honest, but at the same time, not hurting my feelings. Oh, wait, here, here's how I knew I had absolutely zero musical talent. In sixth grade at the like winter musical, winter performance, I was selected by my music teacher for this very elite group that got to take two liter soda bottles with like different levels of water in them 
and so you have to blow across the top of them and it makes this like whistling sound, right? So here I am thinking, wow, like I'm in this special group that knows how to blow across the top of a water bottle and make a whistling sound. Well, hindsight's 2020, and I look back now, and I realize, no, it wasn't a talented group of uh, bottle blowers. This was a bunch of kids that couldn't sing worth a lick, and we got put up on stage with water bottles of water blowing across the top of them so no one else had to hear us sing. So, uh, you know, we also have to be realistic in our abilities as well. But yeah, I, I learned also at a pretty early age Music, uh, singing, at least, was not going to be in my future. But that's a talented teacher, someone who can divide kids into different groups. And, okay, maybe bottle blowing isn't exploring <laughs> your particular talent, but working on other kids' talents and helping them achieve what they can without making them feel bad that they're not at a certain level or in a different group. I do think that the next performance, I got to play the triangle. <laughs> that was also an award-winning performance. So we talked a little bit about how students, kids gain confidence, but how do they lose it? And so Jacqueline kind of alluded to one way, of course, with uh, just not really affirming a child's efforts. But I've also seen more extreme examples, such as belittling a child, uh, comparing unfairly comparing a child to uh, a peer, uh, and sometimes just being um, being mean, right? Just being brush-offish or just nonchalant about, you know, when a child comes up to you and says, you know, take a look or, you know, wants to show you something and you just ignore it. I know our, our older son, Ryder, he loves building Legos, I mean, he builds Legos all day long. As a matter of fact, right before we started this episode today, he brought in four new Lego figures that he created. And he just comes up to us every time and says, do you, do you like it? And I mean, they're great, of course, but you know, I'm, I'm not a Lego person by nature. So you know, I, I appreciate his effort and I try to compliment something that, well that he did. Uh, but you know, certainly I want to make sure that I acknowledge the effort that, I, that he put into it. And I think it's important as a parent to remember if your child comes up to you wanting your attention, wanting to show you something that they spend a lot of time on, needing more than a quick yes or no answer, if you're in the middle of something, rather than just look at them and go, oh, okay, yeah, that's nice, giving them just that little bit of attention and then going back to what you're actually focusing on, it's better to tell your child, you know what, I'm so sorry, I'm in the middle of doing something let me finish this and then in 10 minutes or 15 minutes or two hours let me come back to you and I'll actually spend a good amount of time hearing about this and having you show it to me giving your child that extra attention when you are in a mind frame to receive it and giving that child the extra attention when you have that time to give it to him or her is very important it's a good point it's a good point so Jacqueline found a really cool article that we're going to link in our resources folder, uh, which you'll find in the description for this episode. And it's from healthychildren.org, which is from the... American Academy of Pediatrics. Basically, yeah. it's the American Academy of Pediatrics. It's their parent-friendly website. So healthychildren.org is geared towards parents. And what I really like about it is it's not written in doctor speak or medical speak. It is written by pediatricians for parents. So you know the information is accurate and evidence-based. Yeah, it, and I, I read through it and I thought it was really great. So the article is called Building Blocks for Healthy Self-Esteem in Kids. 
And in it, they identified 12 traits that students, uh, kids uh, use to build healthy self-esteem. Now, you know, personally, I think myself and I'm sure many adults, we typically identify things like positive praise, encouragement as those key traits to build confidence. But I appreciated this article because it went beyond that. It did, it did identify those, of course, but it definitely expanded upon that realm of like, how can you build confidence? How do you build healthy self-esteem in kids? So uh, we're just going to identify a few of them, but I definitely encourage you to check out the article and read it for yourself and see what sticks with you. And it's so important to build a child's healthy self-esteem. You know, it plays such a role in their achievements in school or social relationships. Also, in their resilience, their ability to bounce back from setbacks. So one of the traits they identified was a sense of purpose. You know, children should have goals. And a great example of this is within sports. You know, whether your child is the star of the soccer team or tends to run track and almost always come in last place, it's important for your child to have realistic goals and for parents to not compare them to siblings or to other kids on the team, but compare them to themselves. You know, if your child is, and I'll use the track example, but if let's say your child runs as hard as they can and they run a 10 minute mile, and then the next time they get out there and they run that mile in nine minutes, that's a ton of effort and praise. Like focus on the time and the effort they work to improving themselves. Let them set their own goals and celebrate with them when they achieve them. And if they don't achieve them, be there to comfort and talk about, well, what could we have done better? Yeah, and I know sports like track, swimming, those are a little bit easier to set those goals because they're very individual sports. But, you know, for myself as like a soccer player, a basketball player, those are all team sports. And oftentimes young players, young kids, they see success as the person who scores the goal or, you know, has the best uh, assist or whatever it is or the most playing minutes and so it's really important in those situations to you know work with your children your child on setting goals that work for them i'll give you an example so our younger son maddox he uh he soccer he loves soccer and he's very much so a defender and he understands that you know he's not the goal scorer he doesn't want to be the goal scorer which is great because you need someone to defend but i didn't want to just let that be his stance throughout the season. So I started setting goals for him as a defender in soccer. So for example, he was giving way too much space between himself and the midfield. And so my goal for him in one of our games was decrease the space between the midfield uh, midfielder and him. And so I, unless you speak soccer, you have no idea what I'm talking about. But just trust me that it was something very specific to him that even as a pretty decent soccer player who has no chip on his shoulder about... Uh, about scoring, we set a goal for him that was going to build his confidence because he really wanted to, you know, please daddy. And I was the coach as well. So make coach happy. And so we set something that we could talk about after the game as well. Often after Maddox's games, the first question friends, neighbors would ask is, how many goals did you score? And so as a parent, when somebody's asking those type of questions, I think it's important to jump in, protect the child a little bit and say, oh, he's not a goal scorer. He's a defender, but he did X, Y, Z really well at the game. By the way, defenders can score, but (laughs) 
Note taken. This is why this is why Adam's the <laughs> soccer coach and Jacqueline cheers. They don't often score. Yes, I know they can. They don't often score. You're right. They don't often score, but it's it is allowed. I'm just making. We're building Jacqueline's soccer uh, IQ. Now, I also want to talk about another example. And if there's any teachers out there listening, which I know there are in our uh, in our listener crew. We do something at my school called Data Notebooks, and this was something that uh, I've done across a couple schools and with all levels of students, and it's something that really, really helps give children the sense of purpose, giving goals. And so what we do is we track data throughout the school year in these notebooks. Each child has a notebook, and the teacher helps facilitate the gathering of the data, the sorting of the data, the analysis of it, and most importantly, the goal setting. And so this goal setting gives each student a chance to set a very personal, realistic goal based on, well, what they've been doing. Because the reality is not every student is going to be a 90th plus percentile. Not every student is going to be the A child. So how can each student improve upon where they are? And what we ended up seeing was students who felt more confident going into these you know, assessments, tests, exams, because they had a specific goal in mind. If on their spelling test, if they had been getting, you know, 12 out of 20 right for week after week after week, maybe their goal was 14. And so they had a very specific purpose. Their goal was not 20 out of 20 because they've got to be realistic. You build baby steps. Maybe eventually they will get to 20. But this goal, uh, the data notebooks, gave a chance for students to be reflective and honest with themselves. And the coolest part was when we had the student-led conference night and all the parents got to come in. Jacqueline's come in before. And the students literally share their own data with their parents. The teachers step away. Teachers don't talk. It's all about the students sharing their data, their growth, their achievements, their goals, and how they're going to get there with their parents. And that leads into trait number two, having appropriate expectations. So like Adam mentioned, kids are going to have different abilities in school. Setting realistic goals is helpful for them. Remember, siblings are going to have differences as well. If you take two children, one who's three years old and one who is 12 years old, and expect them to sit quietly for two straight hours watching something boring, you're going to have very different expectations for how well the three-year-old's going to do it versus how well the 12-year-old's going to do it. Same thing when it comes to chores around the house. Giving your older child more expectation is appropriate. And mitigating those feelings when an older child feels hurt, oh, I have to do more than the younger child, is important to talk about. Because as kids grow older, they're able to achieve more, whether it's in school, sports, or just life in general. Yeah, and right along with the sibling differences, I think we also need to be aware of comparing a child's achievements or abilities to what we as the adult were able to do or in our minds were able to do when we were that age. Yeah, when I was in school, I was one of those children early elementary school, kindergarten, first, second. I was one of the few kids that pulled for the gifted program. I remember when we started test scores, I would be in the 99th percentile for most of them. And of course, as a parent, I want my children to be that way too. They're not. And that's okay. And it takes it's taken me a little bit to accept that and realize that. And I certainly don't want to make either child feel bad about where they are in school. But it's taken some personal growth to realize that our children, while they are genetically ours, 
they may have very different abilities and talents than ours. They're both much better at sports than I ever was. Our older son is incredibly artistic. Our younger son is a fantastic leader. So every child has different qualities that make them who they are, and they may not be the same ones that you have. I'll say you also have to be mindful of the spouse comparison as well, because sometimes I get a little bit of a, a imposter syndrome around my wife, because I certainly, I, I, I was good at school, but I was not 99th percentile smart. And so uh, I've also had to manage my own expectations for myself when in comparison to Jacqueline. So that's just a side note, but certainly something that we have to always be mindful of. But hard work and achievement matters so much more. There are plenty of kids who score off the charts that don't push themselves and end up in a wide variety of careers. Well, yeah, and that's true. And, you know, that's why I, I never, ever, ever make a kid, you know, feel bad for a low score or something. I mean, it's it's a single data point testing something that is, you know, really geared towards a very specific population of kids. So, eh, here's your educator saying, don't worry about the test scores. Well, and I think it's important to look at other abilities. And for example, like an emotional IQ, your ability to interact with other people, to figure out what they're thinking, that's huge. And that's not something that can easily be measured. Yeah. And even things like acceptance of others, you know, a sense of leadership, equity, uh, making sure that Others have access and the ability to be successful as well. All those are so important to us and far more than a test score. Now, we said we were going to mention a few. We want to mention one more from that article, and that's accepting mistakes and failure. So as we're building confidence uh, in children, teaching them how to accept mistakes and failure can actually help them be more confident as an adult. So... I'm not sure if any of you listeners have watched the Netflix show, Never Have I Ever. I think it's great. It's hilarious. Um, we, we love it. <laughs> we do. It's, it's a teenage show. It's about kids in high school. And they just dropped season four. So this is a clip from season four, but I don't really think it's a spoiler alert. Um, because, but the main character... Debbie, she's a senior in school, and she, her goal has always been to go to Princeton. That's all she's wanted to do. Well, in the clip, it seems like she goes to Princeton. She finds out that someone who graduated prior to her, I think the character's name was Blair, who in Debbie's mind was perfect, dropped out of Princeton. And Debbie is just beside herself thinking, oh my goodness, if Blair can't hack it in Princeton, there's no way that I can. And she's sitting there talking to her, we'll call him nemesis, but a friend who, they're both classic high achievers, so they're constantly competing against each other, Ben. And Ben is looking at Debbie saying, you are nothing like Blair. Blair was perfect. Blair never let herself make a mistake. She never went to parties. She never cared about friends. She never put herself out there to fail. You do that. And he's kind of making fun of her too. He's like, but you fail all the time. You're fantastic at failing. And he's like, so I have no worries about you getting into Princeton because you've known failure. <laughs> Something like that. I'm ad-libbing. But. Uh, yeah. Uh, but the point taken here is that, you know, when you learn early on to fall and get back up, you have the ability to, you know, find ways to come against hurdles and overcome them. You have the ability to see that, oh, this didn't go right. And instead of just dropping out, you persevere. 
And, you know, that is a trait that I think a lot of uh, companies really appreciate now, especially in our technology world. The first code that you come up with for this, you know, program software may not work. Uh, and companies want people who can fight through it, try another version of it. And, you know, there's a million stories like this. I mean, you could go throughout the history books and was it Einstein's thousand failures? And I mean, there's a, a million examples of people some of the most successful people in our history books who fail time after time after time, but we tend to talk about their successes. And so there's something to be said about accepting failure, learning from your mistakes, and becoming more confident from it. As a parent, our goals in helping our child achieve confidence in a healthy way include kind of realistic goal setting, praising effort more than achievement, and allowing them to accept their mistakes and their failures. Well, I just want to thank everyone again for joining us on Episode 9 of EdMed Talks, where we hope that you have gotten some new ideas about building confidence in your kid. Don't forget, we have a resource folder linked in our episode description. And catch all of our episodes on our websites and anywhere where you could find your podcasts. And as we always say at the end of every episode, you know your child best. There may be no such thing as the perfect parent, but you can be the perfect parent for your child. 